and welcome to Navigating Nursing. I am your host, Laura Whitehead, a registered adult nurse, a critical care nurse, qualified lecturer and fellow of the Higher Education Academy. And I'm joined today by Heather Wilson, who is a policy and programme officer at the Health Foundation and is also an emergency department nurse. Hello, Heather. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. We're going to go right back to the beginning. So did you always want to be a nurse? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, well, when I was really young, I actually wanted to be a vet. I grew up really rurally in Scotland. And so animals were a big part of life there. And that's what I really wanted to do. And then I actually went and did some work experience. I think I must have been about, I don't know, 13 or 14. So I was quite young. And I went and did a work experience with a vet. And I really, I did enjoy it, but not as much as I thought I wanted to do. And so I kind of went back to the drawing board. And then I started thinking about medicine. Um, and so I went and did loads of work experience and um, the hospital in, in the borders where I grew up in Scotland is called the Borders General Hospital and it's quite rural um, and it, I mean it's kind of a, a very much a medical hospital it's got a small A&E department and I went there and I nagged and nagged and nagged and I went and did some work experience and I actually was really lucky because I got to rotate so I did like a I think I did like a 12-week block you know wow, doing, two, doing, yeah, doing like a, uh, a few days a week so across the 12 weeks. So I was really lucky. And um, I think mostly I'd just been a, a bit of a nag, as I say, to the HR lady who, who helped me set it up. So I was really grateful to, for that experience. But I was on that experience. And I, as I say, was wanting to do medicine. And I was going around with the doctors, doing the doctor's ward round and was on kind of different wards. And I was thinking, oh, this is quite interesting. I quite like it. And then I actually went to the neonatal ICU and everybody was in scrubs. And so I couldn't tell what everyone's roles were. And there was this one person, um, a male nurse, who uh, was just amazing. Was like, I think he was a nurse in charge and was just incredible at taking control, building the team. And I was just like in awe of this person. I was just so impressed. So I got 20 minutes with him and I was like, so how long have you been a doctor? And he was like, I'm not a doctor, I'm a nurse. And it suddenly clicked and I was thinking, oh actually maybe I don't want to be a doctor maybe I want to be a nurse and so from there uh, the kind of interest grew and um and yeah and that was it because <laughs> my story is quite similar I did work experience at the Evelina um and it was like two weeks so I thought oh maybe maybe nursing maybe something <laughs> medically and yeah there was this um male nurse who was it who it's why I picked Kings as a uni I, put, I probably should admit that it was like a thorough uni search but he was wearing <laughs> the Kings like student nurse uniform and he mm. was amazing. Like mm. I remember looking at him and thinking, like, and he was man- he was a third year, he was like managing his own patients, and they were really poorly. And he was so good that I I remember I was about 15, like mm. kind of year 10, 11. And I remember looking at him and thinking, one day I want to be as good as you. Mm. Like you're that good. Um, yeah. And then I said, Oh, where did you go to union? He was at like, Oh Kings. And I was like, Yep. I want to be in that striper uniform. Yeah, um, yeah, it was exactly the same. And I think actually, as we'll talk about my career and stuff on, on um, throughout the kind of podcast, um, so much of what I ended up doing was about of the people I met and the interesting people that kind of inspired me along the way. And, and that was pretty amazing. But actually from the amazing guy at, at the BGH, I then went and did loads of other bits and pieces in like the local GP practice and sat in the treatment room and, and did things like that. And it was always who the interesting nurses were that were making me interested in different areas and and people actually taking the time just to have five minute chats it's amazing how kind of influential that kind of informal structure can be um and then yeah I went off to do nursing at Edinburgh actually after that so that's how it kind of I fell into it really <laughs> no it sounds like you were on a work experience mission <laughs> I mean, I yes. like you probably have more clinical experience than <laughs> probably some people on actual um, yeah more placement than the medical students that term (laughs) yeah well my neither of my parents are clinical and so they were really you know go and make sure you are sure before you go and and study this so I have them to thank for for pushing me to do that but it was it was a really great experience and I think I mean I did I'm not going to say that when I first went on the ward as a student nurse I wasn't absolutely shell-shocked um but it did help definitely with me kind of understanding a little bit more about what some of the lingo means if nothing else (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I guess all like working in different environments of like knowing what the scope of practice is a bit within the GP, within what the nurse does Mm. there and then the different clinical areas where I was opposite. I'd done that one week and then my my family, no one in my family is medical. I'd never spoken to anyone that was a nurse. And I literally remember walking into my first day of placement and been like, so yeah bored yeah and oh it's so scary going. that first day of placement I remember it so well <laughs> and I remember them going like oh can you go make a bed and I was like yeah 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 I can put a bed sheet on a bed can't yeah. I? I can and then there was a woman in the bed and she could like she wasn't mobile and I was like what do you do what yeah 
in the bed. And I remember then having to go back. This it was mentors then that my mentor must have just looked at me and thought, "Who is this? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this person that's turned up?" Um, yeah, and it was it was one of the healthcare assistants took pity on me, Gloria. <laughs> I will always remember Gloria. And she, for that like 12 weeks, like put me through an enhanced, an enhanced training program. So I, uh, yeah, I developed the skills necessary. <laughs> so you went to the University of Edinburgh and it's a four year program there, which is very different to, to other universities in the UK where it's where it's um, been three. How did you find the program and how did you find the four years? Yeah, so Edinburgh is quite different in that it's four years and it's also a really tiny cohort. And I mean, I think it is worth saying that it is consistently number one in the country. I'm not just saying that to blow my own trumpet, but I think it does kind of create a really different structure to to the programme. So it's quite focused. Obviously, we have your your placements the same as anywhere else, but it's very uh, focused on I guess, elements of policy and research and kind of quite um, an academic approach to nursing, which sometimes when we were doing it at the time, it was like, why do we have to write an essay on research methods when I'm going on a placement with medicine of the elderly? Like, how is this relevant? And then actually now looking back, it just gave me the most amazing skill set for the career that I'm doing now. Um, But yeah, it was quite different. So it was quite different in that sense. And then, um, as I say, we were quite tiny. There was only 30, I think it was like 35 of us um, oh, on, wow. on the, yeah, exactly, in a year group. So the nursing school itself was really small. Um, so we were all quite close and everybody knew everybody. And we had this really lovely structure of kind of academic family. So you in, you sort of mixed with the different year groups as well. So older nurses, it was all, would kind of partner with the younger years and kind of coach them through. So that, that bit about shell shock on the placements, you were quite supported and you could ask, have you been on this ward? What was it like? That kind of thing. So that was really great. But I think what's really tricky is that because we were so small, loads of my friends who I lived with, who I was placed with in halls and things were not nurses. And so I always felt hard done by that they were all going out and partying and doing like three hours of uni a week. And I was going off to do 12 hour shifts and it felt and I felt really unjust. I was was the only um, nurse in my halls. There were a couple of midwives. Most people doing other like humanities and science. And mine was the same. I remember once they were all like got back from a night out and I was getting up to I was eating porridge like yeah. you know ready to leave the house ready to leave the halls for a shift and yeah. then they're eating like I don't know a kebab and it's yeah. like this this is so <laughs> different world yeah and I thought this is so unfair I want to be partying and I think I started to get a bit fed up actually right there and I mean I have to say I loved I loved university and I had a great time at Edinburgh so don't get me wrong but there was definitely an element of me thinking what am I doing I've picked the hard route this is rubbish and again coming back to people that I met I had an amazing chair of nursing there Aisha Holloway she's still there um she does lots of work now with the WHO um but she really heard me when I was saying this is rubbish why are nurses not political I go on placement you know Brexit's happening and the people I'm working with on the ward have no interest in what that means for healthcare why is that and I was a bit aggy and I think it was probably because I was surrounded by lots of politics students or social sciences students who were debating a lot of that stuff in our flat and then I'd go into the ward and see the opposite end of the spectrum and feel like I was a bit kind of confused I guess about well well I'm angry at how things are heading uh in terms of in the in the you know the direction of healthcare was traveling in the UK uh I felt like the NHS was even back then that was kind of 2014-2015 was really coming under this massive barrage of, of pressure um and it was only getting worse and then it didn't feel like many of the nurses uh in the clinical space were either able to have a voice or interested in it and they were very much focused on their bubble in their ward which is completely understandable so at the time I didn't I don't think I had that much perspective that I have now and so I was just a bit moany to be honest so I'd go to my lecturers and be like I hate placement it's rubbish la 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 and and I was so lucky because instead of saying oh you shouldn't be a nurse go and do something else they said okay well what do you want to do to change it what can you do and actually having that moment was just like the best thing that ever happened to me because Aisha really pushed me to think okay well what about you know public health or what about policy work and I was doing a shift uh I was doing a placement in A&E and I actually went out to New Zealand so I had a real a taste of the good life I guess um but I was still frustrated because we'd see patients who would come in who were really overweight they'd be having you know a cardiac event and we would patch them up and we'd send them home but we wouldn't do anything about the obesity for example so essentially we'd see them again in another three weeks when they have another cardiac event because we're not sorting anything out and I just found that cycle really frustrating and was like 
the whole system is broken and we are so downstream and I really was obsessed with this idea of prevention and, and upstream interventions in healthcare and so that's when Aisha was really saying go and have a look at public health I think you'd really like it and it was like a light bulb moment I remember reading some bits and pieces you know research papers or um, even finding organizations like where I'm working now on the internet and being like oh my god they're getting it they're doing what I want to be yes, doing um, and so that for me was just the most brilliant experience and I was again as I say so lucky to meet uh, people who were saying the right things to me again it comes back to to people shaping it and, and helping you navigate the kind of nursing world so so yeah um, I had a great time at Edinburgh but by the time I had finished I was very much ready for the next adventure um, but had had a really good time there and really enjoyed my studies. And you then went on to the graduate scheme in yes research. was that your first your first job when you qualified yes so talk about shell shock I think there's definitely you know people talk about the easy my mum always jokes that there's the easy route and the hard route and then there's the heather route and I think <laughs> I definitely definitely went the heather route on this one so I came up well as I was coming to the end of uni I think you have that kind of panic don't you everyone starts Help talking me. about what jobs they're getting it feels like and it's so huge, early so early was like the February it was like the February of last yeah. year and they were like have you applied and it was yes. like, applied for what? Yeah. And then you start hearing people, oh, I've got a traineeship at this hospital and I've got this at this hospital. I'm actually going to take a year out and go and do this. And I think I haven't got a clue what I'm doing, but I know I'm not allowed to go and live back at home with my mum and dad. I have to get a job and sort myself out. So what am I doing? Um, and so, yeah, I ended up going on to, as you say, the graduate scheme at Cancer Research, which I don't think it runs in the same way anymore. It's been really overhauled since I did it. So I was the last kind of original cohort of the old structure, I suppose. And it sounds quite um, it sounds quite funny, kind of graduate scheme. I think there were six of us. <laughs> so it was tiny. It wasn't like a graduate scheme at one of the banks or anything. Yeah, the like corporate. Several hundred people. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a bit different. But there were two of us in the policy kind of stream uh, and we basically did rotations of six months across four different departments so it was a two-year uh, program and it was so incredible and it really was so formative for me because I got to rotate through international policy the press office uh, national policy and also public affairs so it just gave me that platform those really solid foundations for you know a career in kind of the policy space which having coming from a nursing background I had a lot less insight into how policy making works compared to someone who'd done po politics at university to be for example um so yeah I was really really lucky and I think also I was I mean I had the most incredible time at the charity uh, they do some amazing amazing work and there's also loads of events going on all the time whether it's you know, like the events team are organising a 5k fun run and they just need somebody to help shake buckets at the event and you can sign up and go. And but there's just loads of different things going on all the time that you can just say, oh, I'd like to have a go doing that. Can I come along or can I get involved? So it was just a really, a really amazing opportunity to get loads of different insight into A, the charity sector and then B, the kind of policy world. And I think as well, because I was a nurse, um, I was given a lot more opportunity to do like spokesperson work and media work. And I got to do like a day in the life of where I took over, you know, Cancer Research's Instagram page for the day. And I did I, I did like a shift in the hospital and, and filmed loads of bits and pieces and worked with the hospital to create like a little mini documentary online. Um, and it was just it was just kind of luck of the draw, really. But um, it gave me a total insight into this is the kind of stuff that I've been dreaming about doing while I was really frustrated on placement. And now I'm actually getting to do some of that. So say, that was it, really great. It literally sounds like a scheme that was made. <laughs> you were interested, doesn't it? You talking yeah. about it. I'm like, yep, yeah, tick, tick, tick. That's the, you must yeah. have been And I remember, uh, yeah, it was, it was such a great match. And I think as well, again, I had a really fantastic, um, sort of they're called grad sponsors so you had like a senior person who sort of was not your line manager but was sort of like your mentor internally on the scheme and again I had an amazing person who was my my grad sponsor so she was really good at making sure I was you know getting lots of opportunities and really putting myself forward so that was great and I think as well you know as I said there I was doing shifts so along when I was I'd moved to London from Edinburgh which in itself was, was such a change find, that? that was rough because 
I mean, I was lucky quite a lot of our friends from Edinburgh had also moved to London because it's where so many jobs are. So I did have a quite a good support network. But, you know, I'd grown up, as I said, really rurally in Scotland. So it was a shock going to Edinburgh, let alone a shock then coming to London. I mean, getting the tube for the first few times, I was thinking, oh, my goodness. And I was definitely late a lot because I didn't know where I was going. Um, but got there in the end. Um so there was quite a lot going on. And I think part of that time for me was actually being, oh my goodness, who am I? What am I doing? I've made this huge leap into a totally different job role. You know, I'd never been in a big office before. And the, the cancer research offices when I was there were huge and open plan and loud. That was such a different environment to being in the hospital, which is what I was used to. Um, and, you know, different uh, dynamics in an office space, um, different relationships with staff. You know, I, I don't think I'd registered at the time. But when you're working in a clinical space, your relationships with your team and your colleagues is so personal. You know, you're getting changed together at the start of a shift and it's, hey, how are your kids? How was your weekend? What did you do? How was your day off? How's patient in bed seven yesterday blah 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 and you really know even if you're just doing like a bank shift and you're there one day you feel oh, like yeah. you know them so well I was talking to my um, sister about this because she works in a bank uh, and has always worked in corporate she's yeah she went straight from uni from sit form straight into um straight to work in the bank and I was saying like I remember I'd just done a bank shift in a, I was in a double side room and I've never met her before and the whole shift she was talking me through like she was going to facility treatment and it was like her whole like conversation about she'd been to Bart's and we were now at a shift at the Royal London and I'd never you know met her before and I'd said to my sister like oh like just a few interesting story you know I'd met her after work for like a drink or something and she was saying like never in a million years yeah. would I ever have any conversation on any level like should we barely we would barely even talk about like oh, how was your weekend here great Yes, I literally couldn't tell you like if they've got kids, if they're like maybe like oh I'm I got married last weekend or do you mean it might be like oh I've got leave but because of whatever but I said nursing such the opposite like probably within twenty minutes of a shift yeah. I can tell you like you know most things about the person I'm working opposite with or mm-hmm. yeah from the staff room and yeah. that kind of. We, we expect that don't we that's not unusual you wouldn't go yes. to a lot of information why yeah are you, absolutely why are you telling me like I think we form. <laughs> connections and relationships so fast mm. and I think that's probably like a learned skill because of obviously the work that we're doing with patients but I think it's probably also a personality thing so many of the nurses you meet why do you go into nursing oh, I just love helping people there is actually something to that um, and so that was probably the biggest culture shock actually was then being sort of planted into this office environment where I probably wasn't even fully you know um comfortable in my skin in the nursing world um and yet I'd changed and done this so I didn't um I didn't not enjoy it I I really had a great time but there was definitely when I moved to London and I moved in the September to start that scheme and probably right up until the following March I probably wasn't 100% happy and feeling a bit like what am I doing who am I oh my goodness I'm really on my own and feeling a bit kind of wobbly and so when I moved into lecturing I think the whole who am I and your like work identity yes is something that I because I think you could be quite clear can't you clinically what what type of nurse are you like or how how like I know that I'm it's weird because I'm quite a not chaotic I've got a very bad memory so my day-to-day life I've lost my house keys like three times a day like that's kind of but when I'm on a shift I'm the like detail specific mm. reliable I'm very clear-headed in emergency like in real life I could lose my temper and be really in in work yes. I'm like the level no you yeah. will never see me lose my rag I will never you know I won't be the one crying in the living room I'm the very like and I always wanted to be the calm person that someone would come to and go Laura please can you help me or mm. Laura I'm really stuck and that was my kind of particularly then getting my band six and being a sister that was my aim that I would be the one that people could yeah. feel like would come to me and say like I'm not comfortable and I think that's something my sisters always found they were like you don't even know where your keys are you've lost like three oyster cards this month like how do you work in intensive care or how do you work and I was like an alien like how, how do you I don't think they ever kind of matched up the like work yeah personality then with like you as a you as a person yeah. and then I found going into like lecturing how do those two come together because I'm wearing my own clothes I'm not in yeah. scrubs yeah like I think the scrubs for me were a massive part totally of yeah I totally get um, that yeah 100% um, and and how do I respond is it more personal yeah is it is it my same like I don't know boundaried clear um 
yeah it was it was a real and I didn't and I'd been a nurse what for how many for, for a few years and I, I it was something that I hadn't expected it never yeah. occurred to me that I would go into that environment and and even now sometimes I have a thing where I'm like how am I responding what's my where clinically that would be instinctive I wouldn't mm. have to think that's yes. still my comfort zone yeah absolutely and even that thing of like hi my name is I really sometimes oh I don't know how to say hello because I'm hello I'm Heather I work in policy but I'm also a nurse on the side and da, 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 da. and it's really it's not just crisp and clear of hi my name's Heather I'm one of the nurses looking after you because people know what that is um the amount of times I've said hi I'm Heather I work in policy and people go oh like insurance <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no not quite not this quite is not as identifiable um and I found that a bit of a switch as well so that was all kind of going on and so as a result of that kind of I don't want to say identity crisis but wobble I think um I ended up thinking okay well I need I need to be doing a bit of nursing because one it helps with that identity two I'm missing the patients three it really helps with the work I'm doing because I can say you know I'm talking about NHS workforce for cancer services it would be great to say well on Saturday I did a shift and this was the example so there was that as well um, and so I actually ended up at the Marsden Hospital, which is over um, in West London, but it's obviously an oncology specialist hospital. So it was really, really relevant to to the work I was doing. And it was great because they really I went in and I said, look, I'm, you know, for the interview, I said, you know, I'm a, uh, straight out of university. But I'm working in policy. I just want to be doing a couple of shifts a month. Keep my hand in. And they were amazing because, I mean, that isn't the norm. And I think a lot of hospitals would go, absolutely not. You're fresh out of school. You need to go and do a couple of years and then that full time nursing and then we'll put you on the bank. But they were really amazing in setting me up with sort of training days and letting me come along to the, you know, all staff induction and put me through my IVs and cannulation and all of that, which was amazing. I was really, really, again, lucky, lucky who you meet. So that was great. And then the pandemic. And at the same time, I should add as well, I was doing quite a lot of outreach stuff with um, homeless charities because, again, moving to London. I couldn't believe how many homeless people were here I was living in Finsbury Park which is um North London but it's just a a big homeless community there and I just felt really guilty walking to and from work every day um that I wasn't doing anything so I ended up doing a bit of outreach with them doing clinics in outreach settings um so again like another little bit of formative kind of experience for me really that um helped me kind of build my identity and it helped me sort of settle into London because it gave gave me a sense of community and that I was involved with and then obviously all of that changed when the pandemic hit, like everything <laughs> everything did. Um, but I ended up moving from the Marsden into uh, a central London hospital doing emergency work. So obviously that was what I'd focused on a lot at university. Um, and so I ended up doing kind of ITU shifts and ED shifts during the pandemic. Um, and that's the hospital that I still have my kind of locum work with now. And it kind of happened in tandem that I also... The, the graduate scheme at cancer research was finishing and so I moved over into my role at the health foundation which is where I still am so it made sense because I was doing kind of more public health it's still very much prevention and focused on kind of health inequalities and I guess we'll come on to all of that work in a minute but but it made sense then for my clinical work to also be a bit more general and not just be oncology specific because my policy work wasn't so they kind of end up moving in tandem together uh, these two different roles um, and yeah and then the uh, the pandemic was just a bit of a, uh, a roller coaster really because I ended up doing as I said doing ITU and ED and then moving into vaccination and then I had this most amazing journey on the vaccination program all the while doing the policy stuff from home so it was quite quite the little <laughs> journey how is there time uh I mean it was a bit rough for a little while because I was doing Monday to Friday um doing policy work uh in the pandemic and obviously the team I work in is really about the wider determinants of health we're called the healthy lives team so we do lots of policy around how health is related to things like employment or transport housing education so um during the pandemic it was obviously so busy because so many of these things were having a huge impact on health and we did I think our team and our organization became a real voice in that in the public health space which was incredible but it meant that the the work really did kind of take off and so we were all kind of really busy um uh, during that time so yeah Monday to Friday was was pretty busy in full-on and then I think as well because there was so much press around obviously healthcare in in the pandemic again that sense of guilt I was like I need to be doing something I'm sitting here with all these clinical skills I have to be helping I can't just sit at home even though I'm doing public health stuff I felt like I really wanted to use my clinical skills and help so I ended up uh, doing Saturdays, uh, doing kind of ITU or ED um, during the various waves. And then as we got to 
uh, the end of whatever year, what year was that? Was it 2021? No, it must have been 2020. It was 2020, end of 2020. It was Christmas Eve and I got a phone call. Hi, you'd put your name down for doing some vaccination shifts. I was going to say, because I started the yeah. training, it was the 19th of December. Yes. So it was my mum's birthday and they called and went, yeah. do you want to teach? <laughs> like, you can teach vaccinations. And yeah. as an intensive care nurse, my vaccination experience, um, we can say it's been minimal. Um, <laughs> at that point, it was mainly kind of like Vaxxis Tetanus in A&E when I was yes. like working there. Um, and I was like, and then they sent me all the link to the e-learning. Yes. And I was like, there with my notebook and pen. And they were like, yeah, so tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow we start, tomorrow we start yeah. training. That was very um, similar to me. Yeah. So I, uh, I think my, on my file, my file, I don't know if that exists, but I hope there is a file somewhere that has my name on it in the hospital. And I think it says public health. Cause obviously that's my f- substantive role is in that public health space. So I think I probably got the phone call for, because of that. So again, similar to you, like my experience was very much tetanus in A&E or I'd done a flu vaccination, a big flu vaccination program with the homeless charity. So again, another kind of strand that had come in. So all these different random elements were slowly coming together. So yeah, I got the phone call Christmas Eve can you come in we're starting vaccination how can you literally come in on boxing day <laughs> um and I was like oh okay yeah I'm sure that's fine so towards the end of December I started going in and there was 12 of us and we were working out of a small clinic we had no computer system we were all on paper yeah. and it was like okay there's a sign on the door that says we're doing vaccinations we have no idea how many patients are turning up we're no. just we're just, we're just open <laughs> open door and so some so then I just and I had the most amazing first shift I was meeting these incredible and because we were doing a lot of the elderly people who had obviously been really strict and really really uh isolating because of their kind of risk to COVID or either elderly people or people with like lots of different um health conditions so it was just it was so emotional seeing these people so, who haven't yeah, been I, out and I felt a bit not bad in a way but I hadn't considered the emotional side at yeah. all that's yeah, something that I guess that's quite the privilege of not of, of, of following all the guidance but not being immunocompromised so not yeah. having that kind of you no, know paranoia and, honestly coming in in three yeah. face masks they were just yeah, yeah, so yeah. terrified and, gloves and a full yes you think and, and and I had done the training and then when we opened up the business design center as the as the mass yes. and, yeah. and I remember the first patient and I was signing someone off and he burst into tears yeah. after I gave it. Yeah. And then I started to cry. Yeah. And I, I was assessing someone. God, why am I why are my eyes filling up now? Yeah. And I could see his face. And it was like I had never considered the yes. like not the privilege. I'm not sure if that's the right word. No, absolutely. I completely but, agree. It was a privilege. And so and so that was it and we were all and I, I remember getting home and I'd been quite nervous because I was thinking I really don't know what I'm going for and I called my mum and dad and my partner which was at home and like you I was really emotional and I had been having some really I mean everyone had had some really rough shifts in ITU I'm filling up now talking about it mm-hmm. um it was awful and it's it was right, so no it's all right um it was so hopeful in the vaccination clinic it was such a happy place to be people were so glad that they were getting vaccinated and it's such a contrast that it was a joy covid and i think even outside of covid a lot of healthcare like i think everywhere not even just a e in the ed and in itu there's not always that hope there's no. not always that and people aren't always necessarily grateful they're, they're not always necessarily kind the communication isn't necessarily but yeah. it was the first time that i could honestly say for those shifts they're like the first four shifts, probably in the whole of my nursing career, where people have just been really thankful yes. to yeah. see you. Yeah. Everyone's absolutely like, oh, we're good. Like, it was just such a different dynamic. It was unbelievable. It was so it was just joy I can't even put it into words it was joy and the team were just phenomenal because everybody a lot of us had had really you know rough couple of months or year going on a year where we'd been people had been seconded into to just go and work in ITU having never worked in ITU before and you know we'd been up really up against it I mean we had some horrible experiences uh I don't even want to go into it because it was really awful but so as a team I think quite a lot of us were not I don't want to say damaged, but we're a bit, you know, we, our resilience wasn't 100%. And the vaccination clinic for me, right from that moment, was a place to come back in and reignite your passion for 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 care and that's what we were doing so and again another fantastic set of nurses in charge that we had there that were just brilliant and so 
I started doing that. So I did a couple of weeks as a vaccinator and I am constantly a bit of, I guess, a bit of a rebel. So a bit like when I was a nursing student and I would challenge things, same in the vaccination. Like, oh, why don't we try doing it like this? Because this could be so much more efficient. How about, why don't we try like that? Can we do this? What about this? And I was just a bit of a, probably a bit of a pain. And so again, really lucky because I had an amazing manager who said, I don't know why you're just a vaccinator. You could, you should be one of the nurses in charge here. And I said, oh, okay, cool. Where where, where do I sign up? (laughs) And so so that was it. And so then I ended up becoming uh, one of the weekend nurses in charge. So I was doing Monday to Friday uh, policy work, Saturday and Sunday in the clinic. And it was all. I met Heather. (laughs) Yes. I'd done all of the training. I was doing, I think we were still training because it was in 2021. Yeah. So we were still training loads of the vaccinators up. And I worked out. I can't remember how much what our final count because Middlesex Uni we like lectures we did we led on the training for North Central and it was thousands. Like, yeah. Thousands. Oh well, we there was a day when we were in the hospital and we did two thousand in one day. It was we called it Super Saturday and there was like I think there was maybe thirty of us. That was way back when mm. we didn't have any of the like outreach sites. And so that was the other thing I did. I was doing it in the hospital Saturday and Sunday, and I thought, okay, when it moves up into the kind of bigger sites. So we went to a site down uh, near King's Cross, and then we went, as you said, to the mass vaccination site. Um, I said, okay, when we move into then, I'll step down because seven days a week is a bit much, and then oh, we're going to this kind of slightly bigger site and we'll have probably, uh, I think it was about um, a team of, you know, 40 uh, across the day. Would you still want to be one of the weekend nurses in charge? And I thought, oh, that's a really good opportunity. Yeah, okay, go on then. But I'll just do it on Saturdays. So I ended up just doing that on Saturdays. And then I said, right, that's it. When this is moving on to the mass site, because then we got into that realm. Um, And as you mentioned there, we were at the design centre and we were doing, um, I think, again, it was like 2000 vaccinations a day obviously in a far more structured process than the craziness that we were doing before with like a team I think it was up to like 140 people like it was absolutely massive and again I was like okay when it goes there I'm gonna scale back and I'm gonna just and then oh Heather do you want to do you fancy being the clinical lead on the Saturday there and again I was like oh go on then I can't say no this is so (laughs) exciting it's just an amazing opportunity so I in this kind of short space of time I'd had this massive acceleration I was gonna say there's some big promotions going on Lots of information. (laughs) Yeah, it was a bit wild. But because I actually loved it, like I, again, it was the vaccination process was incredible, getting people vaccinated, getting the world. You know, I remember I was saying, I'd say to my partner, he'd sometimes come and walk down because it's really not far from where we live and we'd walk home together. And I was like, look in these restaurants, look in these pubs. My team have got these people there because we've got them vaccinated. And it was just so incredible. It was so motivating. Um, we used to love going to the great really because we did all I, I was part of the training team. So it's like that we'd seen all the people and they've they've got you know no idea like the vaccinators, no idea. They've never given a vaccine. You know, yeah. Loads of people, no experience in healthcare. And they literally walk in and you're like Right, first lesson, how to wash your hands. Yeah. Like how yeah. to put an apron on, how to like wear a mask, Absolutely. how to wear a visor, all the way to like, you know, giving and then the obviously the, the kind of computer systems and things. And then it was going to the centres and it was like a real, like I taught you and then yes. now you're yeah. doing it. And yeah. I think a lot of time, in, especially in working in a uni, we don't get that payoff for years. You know, people yes. are on undergraduate programmes for so long mm. or postgrad you teach and then they go off into their area and there's not that crossover totally oh it was so satisfying yeah the fact that you could walk in and then it wasn't going like I I don't know I did that and it was that kind of achievement there was such an achievement with it and such a sense of community and I remember you know as as we went to the mass site you know we were really churning through and there was a few afternoons I'd go in and people you know it was much quieter because we'd really paced through the vaccination Mm -hmm. and so actually pulling aside people and saying you've really enjoyed working here what are you going to do what job in the NHS can we get you to do because these amazing you know people a lot of them had come kind of straight out of undergrads that had really struggled to get jobs in the post-pandemic kind of labour market and actually had finally again found their kind of community found something they really enjoyed and so I did lots of kind of sessions with either people who were doing medicine and nursing doing like okay you've got this patient in a vaccination centre this is what they're talking to you about what do we do about it and sort of teaching like that or you've never worked in a hospital here are some sort of jobs that you could think about that might be really good and I actually had two people come and ask me to be their references for their nursing application and I just was so happy about it um so yeah it was fab it was such an amazing amazing experience and it was as absolutely as you said there achievement and hopeful it was just a joy and I think that was the thing it really gave me an insight into 
I mean, as I said before, I love people and nurses in general, I think, have that kind of personality. But for me, I am really interested in healthcare leadership and I'm really interested in kind of culture in organisations. And that experience of the vaccination centres, whether it was in the tiny clinic, the medium sized one or the huge mass site, there is something that will always be a good example of fostering a community and, a, and an amazing workplace culture. Um, and it, it's really made an impression on me, that kind of whole experience and process. Um, so, yeah, it was an absolute joy. I really do miss it all in a weird way, although I'm very glad that the world is getting back to some sort of norm and we don't have to have these huge vaccination centres anymore. But so, yeah, no, that was amazing. And then as that kind of wound down, I then again, scaled down a bit and uh, we were joking before weren't we but um I had all this time because I stopped doing both Saturday and Sunday you've got all of this time like you've got like a weekend (laughs) that's wild I I had a weekend off and I thought god this is weird I've got way too much time so I'm going to sign up for a (laughs) master's and go back and do A&E shift in the emergency department so I've learned my lesson I've uh I'm definitely uh uh planning to have a little bit more time off this year um but but yeah, that's how I kind of ended that. up working. This is a legally binding contract. <laughs> um, but that's where I've ended up now. So I'm still at the Health Foundation Monday to Friday. And that role, again, has shifted again post-pandemic um, to doing lots more work around kind of upstream determinants of health now in the post-pandemic world and recovery. Um, and then also doing the Masters in Public Health, um, which, again, probably was partly inspired by the vaccination process because a large part of my course is around organisational management and culture and um, leadership in, and health systems and all of that stuff. So, um yeah, the, the legacy of the vaccination clinic for me is a big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it continues. Um, and whereabouts are you doing your master's? So I'm doing that at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. So it's right in central London. Um, it's a real kind of flagship public health school. Um, it is the best in, in the world, I think. Um, but again, it's quite an interesting one because lots of the cohort are uh, people like me who've got work experience, who haven't just gone straight into a master's from their undergrad. And as a result of that, while the course and the teaching and the content are really interesting, a lot of what I'm getting out of it is actually from my fellow students um, and having conversations with them about oh what's the work that you're doing a bit like what we're doing here today but doing that with them kind of day in day out is really inspiring gives you lots of food for thought um, I did my advanced assessment yeah um, for medical practitioners and um, before I went into lecturing at King's and it was just a module but I found it was every other week for, I think it was like it was quite a while I think it was about five months in the end and um, but I found it was from learning from other nurses that were like band sixes and above mm. and like mental health adult child like we were all really mixed together and it was just so interesting to learn like what does your career look like or what do your assessments look like or um particularly like from some of the women that were working in mental health because they were saying you know the health outcomes for large of their patient groups from a physical health point of view was very poor mm. and, and they'd been put on you know this assessment process to kind of they didn't have doctors on site they, they were you know it was it was very nurse-led a lot of the the inpatient areas or the clinics and that's why a few of them had decided to do this module to give them those assessment skills yeah. it was just things that I guess the privilege of ITU is you're used to having you know prescribers and assessors yes. someone around that's always got that expert knowledge it's oh we'll just ring cardiology we'll just ring neuro we'll just ring the surgeons and it's very privileged isn't it and and yeah. it kind of made me realize what different nurses scopes of practice were yeah absolutely and I think that's the same in, in the policy space as well you know it's not very um often that you can't come up with a sort of policy solution on your own but it's actually very much the onus is on you you're very autonomous so you know you're talking about there oh in the clinical setting you'd say oh I don't know what this is I'll phone so and so I'll bleep the doctor from wherever and they'll come and sort it out well in the policy space and in the public health space there obviously is a lot of collaboration between different types of um, organizations or different individuals but there's also quite a lot on on you as an individual to think up so for example in my policy space I'm doing a piece of work at the moment about uh, labour market participation and how that uh, interacts with health I'm not an expert on that but that's something I'm working on so I'm going to go and do a deep dive and take that kind of um, really self-led approach to the work and do some scoping and and do lots of research and speak to lots of individuals and then from there kind of develop up this policy uh, briefing paper and then working with my colleagues to to kind of uh, do some influencing with that but that's a really unique model and so the master's for me has been a real 
while I've got the kind of practical experience in the policy space in my job, the um, the master's has kind of given me, I suppose, the theoretical knowledge behind it and some like really useful frameworks and things. So it's almost just kind of quantified some of the learning I have been doing on the job. So it's been a really nice split doing the both, doing both of them. And have your workplace been supportive of you doing further study? Uh, yeah, they have been. Um, I have dropped down uh, to a kind of flexible working pattern. And um, so I take out, you know, for example, a morning a week to go to my lectures um, or things like that. And it kind of chops and changes as the timetable changes. Um, but what I'm really lucky about is that obviously I'm doing a master's in public health while working in an organization or in a team specifically that looks at, at that, those kind of topic areas. So it's really handy for when I'm doing things like an essay and I'm not sure what I'm doing. I can quickly badger my colleagues to have a look at it for me. Do you think I'm on the, the right lines? Yes. Yeah, I'm really lucky for that. Um, and I think the Health Foundation in general, you know, as I was saying, we do a lot of work on the wider determinants um, in my team specifically, but across the organisation, we've got real experts on kind of workforce, NHS workforce, we've got experts on social care, on innovation in healthcare. It's a really kind of varied and dynamic organisation. Um, and it's and it's a really inspiring place to be. So I think as well, if I'm starting to feel a bit frustrated, you know, it's quite easy when you're reading the news to feel doom and gloom and and really quite worried and I think again with the clinical perspective that's even probably more stark for me as I can see I've been on shifts where patients have been on trolleys for eight hours and I'm thinking this is awful nothing's going to change but actually having the kind of spread of um, interest through the job I do and the masters I can find those ways of keeping myself sane and keeping myself motivated and and staying hopeful um, and, and that's the good thing about the Health Foundation is that I often feel quite inspired by work that my other colleagues are doing and that's that's a real as you said before a bit of a privilege actually and we were saying before we started we should have recorded the pre the pre, I know, uh, our ramble. pre podcast chat <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a really difficult time to be a nurse it is i yeah. think it's a really difficult time to work in healthcare i think it's a really difficult time to work to be honest in policy in education it's yes. i think it's challenging everywhere and i think for a variety yeah for a variety of reasons isn't that but I think particularly how how do we keep that inspiration? How do we keep yeah. that kind of motivation? How do we keep that oomph when particularly when we look at you know the the strikes and the nursing pay, particularly you know for anyone listening, you know what's going on in the UK at the moment, and then how are we then saying so? Yeah. I think it's I think it's so, important we remember different areas and that there are that it might seem bleak in the emergency department but actually there are areas where we can go but there is still that inspiration to be found yeah absolutely I mean it's such an important point um I'm sitting here saying you know I feel inspired I'm not saying that I feel inspired all day every day there are definitely moments I mean some of the shifts I've had recently so I'm now at a place where I'm doing about one every three weeks that's kind of where I'm sitting and the difference between shifts in December and January to last summer, for example, are unbelievable. Stuff that a couple of years ago would have been, you know, headline news, patient sits in yeah, A&E yeah, for 14 been. hours, mm-hmm. is now absolutely the norm. And it's really difficult not to come home feeling guilty and feeling really upset about it. And and then to not be sucked into listening to the news and you know, seeing things uh, on the telly that draw you into feeling worse about it because it does, as you say, feel so doom and gloom. It's really challenging. And I think I've had to work really hard. So I think several pieces of advice I'd give up to other people feeling like that, or particularly student nurses who are kind of getting into um, the nursing world where, as it is now. I think the first is really being very, very self-aware and knowing I'm not actually feeling great. And, and that's really difficult and that's a real challenge. And I think it's taken me a long time to be able to hone that skill set of actually saying do you know what I don't need to be doing a shift on Saturday I am not in the place where I can emotionally care for other people because I'm not 100% so I think that is is a really really important lesson that I've had to learn it sounds wishy-washy and it's something you might eye roll at but it's something that I well I think for a long time I was like oh I don't you know yeah self-care is important but just get on with it and actually no I think as I've gone on over time I've really realized the importance of that and and so having other things going on like whatever it is that you're interested in whether it's vegging out and watching telly for an afternoon or whether it is going to see your mates or going to the gym or doing a meditation whatever people need to be able to restore their own energy I think is really really important yeah what fills your so it's thing about what fills your cup up and yeah. I, I've always been a bit 
not skeptical but some of the self-care stuff seems a bit yeah totally pair of fluffy socks and yes twinkly lights up and that'll make you feel great where (laughs) like do the fluffy socks on their own make you feel great no but if they're part of that process yes like it sounds really silly when I used to know that I had I was going to a really bad shift I used to like put certain things in place to make the shift less bad so like this this sounds completely slightly bonkers but I had like you know your really soft comfy socks yeah really soft totally. I would pack them I'd have the yeah. really comfy shoes to wear on the ship yeah. I'd bring like my favorite thing to eat so whenever I got yeah. a break I'd be like oh my goodness I've got lasagna like what however bad the day is like yeah. at some point when I eat that that's my that's a re- and, and it and it's all those I always found like having those little things yeah. that just kind of topped you up a little bit it was like one less I don't know. Totally. One less thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, so there's the self-care element to it, which is really, really important. But there's also making sure you've got your support systems and your networks. And again, I think as a really, like when I was just straight on the wards or when I was a student nurse, it was a real challenge for me to know who my allies were because it felt like none of my friends who were not nurses didn't get it. And the nursing friends that I got on really well with, um, were not necessarily feeling the same as me they really loved nursing and they weren't feeling challenged by it and they weren't feeling this kind of sense of like I'm not sure if this is for me and so actually it was creating that re- uh, relationship with my mentor at the time and you know having different people who understood what I was feeling so that when I was getting to those p- crunch points I was able just to say I'm not feeling 100% can I talk these things through with you and also creating that space in your team you know if you're working in the emergency department for example your relationship with your colleagues will make or break a shift mm-hmm. and it's really important that that isn't overlooked so you know having some sort of we're coming back to that kind of point around community and culture but it and that I think is very easy to say oh but my charge nurse doesn't do x y and z and I was really hung up on that for a while that kind of sense of but leadership aren't doing this or my manager's not doing that in you know in different settings but actually that can come from you just because you are you know on paper the band five junior nurse who doesn't necessarily have any power does not mean that you have no say about the culture in your workplace you know it's somebody said to me recently it's about doing really little tiny things every day that slowly set the tone for the team and can kind of create that grassroots change and obviously if you think things are really awful it might feel really scary but going to speak to people even if it's like an informal chat with whoever you know mm. might be in your HR department or might be somebody just in another department who's in a senior well, again, role I had um, a nurse who was a she was a band five and then she got my HR band six but she'd been a nurse for a while um and uh, Vicky and it was my first job so I worked in HGU in the cardiac HGU but then I kind of did a bit of a rotation between the two yeah. and uh, she had this thing that you all got your patients but beds would be made at whatever time you would start at bed one the other person would start at 20 whatever and you would meet in the middle Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be I'm only doing my eight patients it would be everyone same with obs same with dressings and it was cardiac so everyone had their post-op wounds chest strain same thing and and she would literally go up to you and go Laura it's 10 o'clock you're going for a break and I go oh no I haven't finished my med round and she'd go give me the drug chart give me your patient notes you're going for your break and she was when you knew that she was on yeah everybody went for all there was no negotiation with her it was like you are now going yeah. And I, I was as a baby, I was like, no, no, but I just, I haven't, she'd go, stop, go. Yeah. And you would have to, you would have to, and every bank holiday, we would do a whip round and it was at Tommy. So she would go to MS and buy food and she'd bring a pity blanket. Yeah. And she would say, we're all now going to spend, it's a sunny day. It's, I don't know, the first day, we're all going to go, everyone's, every, for their breaks, you're going to do, you're going to go outside and swap over with the nurse outside and you're going to sit in the sunshine. Yeah. And you're going to eat, I don't know, the scones and the cakes yeah. or whatever. And, yeah. and it was those things and it was one of the jobs I've, I've never necessarily felt, felt that sense of like community and that yeah. everyone's workload is everyone's on shift problem mm-hmm. that it's not just oh you've got the heavier yeah. load today you're going to totally. be really busy but I've actually got the lighter ones because they're pre-ops it was we all have to deliver all of yeah. this care to everybody that is here and we will all make sure that we eat we go to the toilet and we Absolutely. drink yeah it's really really important stuff that I think gets really undervalued mm-hmm. and I think actually in a clinical setting I found it easier to foster that because you are all working to a shared goal you are all in a visible working space whereas in my policy role quite often we're doing our own pieces of work on our laptops in an office setting it's not as the the task isn't a visible patient to do something and not everyone's got any like if you probably ask the person sat next to you they might have an idea like I feel the same 
at the moment and people going oh you know are you really busy then at the moment or someone at work went oh god you look you look quite tired or you look quite stressed today Laura like have you got a lot on and it was like yeah we've got two new cohorts and one going out and they're graduating and I'm doing timetables for October like yeah because it's not that same it's it's not not the same awareness or perspective absolutely so I think so I think actually in those kind of settings it's even more important that you use your voice and you say I'm really busy and I'm not doing very well on this can someone help me out because I don't know if I could ever think of a time where anyone would say no um (laughs) but it's the thought of saying (laughs) be sat there on your own having a day no one no one wants that to happen but unless you use your voice and tell them people aren't necessarily going to know and while that might feel a bit scary and a bit daunting there are lots of ways that you can do that if you don't feel comfortable airing it I think so getting comfortable in your own skin and building that kind of confidence is something that I mean I'm still working on it but it's something that's really changed me in terms of my ability to deal with what can sometimes be quite heavy not just day-to-day stuff but kind of heavy doom and gloom as we were talking about before isn't it it's that kind of oh my goodness it can feel relentlessly heavy in terms of either workload or content because it is just a bit of a barrage of bad news so actually airing that and sharing that is really really important and I think when I come back to you know how do I stay hopeful there's two elements to it as I said there's talking to my colleagues and feeling inspired by the work they're doing keeping really engaged keeping up the momentum and then actually when I go and speak to patients it's always always the thing that brings me back if I'm really feeling like why am I in healthcare it's all failing I should go and work in something else because this is awful as soon as I step into that A&E department and I chat to that first patient that all melts away because I think this is why I'm doing this because if I can't be a voice for these people who is going to be a voice for these people and and the the public support is there you know you mentioned about the strikes and obviously I'm in a um a different role to the clinical role but completely understand why the strikes are happening because it is really really difficult working conditions at the moment on the front line and I really sympathize for the people doing it day in day out it's so tiring and it's so frustrating in a lot of ways but at the core of all of that is really the need and the want to change things for patients and the patients really support it I think you know a lot of conversations I'm having with patients is even when they're asking you know oh could you get me a glass of water I'm sorry you're so busy and I think oh my goodness I can't believe they're apologizing for asking for really basic care but I think the public are really acutely aware of how precious the NHS is and how precarious it is at the moment and so when I when I think about how can I stay hopeful it's actually having those conversations and knowing that there's public support and that that people are really um uh, really strong and willing the NHS on I think and, and wanting change and so there is things to be hopeful about you just have to look for them I think you do and for your career going forward are you clear on what you think that's going to look like do you have <laughs> do you have an idea do you think you'll always keep the clinical we were speaking about this before the clinical and your kind of policy do you think you'll always try and keep that juggle going yeah I mean really good questions and I think I could sit here and say oh I've got my 10-year plan I've got it all figured out but I don't think that's true I don't think anyone really does and I think the thing is is with nursing uh, in particular there are so many options you can so go and do anything in the world as a nurse. I think it's almost overwhelming <laughs> yeah. So many options. yeah you know what I mean I, like, yeah, I could definitely. literally wake up tomorrow and go I want to go back to the ED I want to go back to the time and you're there yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing is, is that even since graduating, I've come across loads of jobs I didn't know existed. And I think I will keep, still keep on coming across loads of jobs that I don't know exist. So there's always an option that I might go completely in a different direction. But as I am at the moment, I definitely want to stay in public health. Um, the work that I'm doing at the foundation, I'm really enjoying and find it really rewarding and interesting in terms of that upstream wider determinants um, of health. Um, I'm really interested in the relationship of health between lots of different factors, but not necessarily just specifically health systems. So NHS, social care, but actually education, housing, transport, all of those things and how even climate change and how that interacts with health. I'm really interested in that. So I definitely think I'll be staying in the public health space on which topic area I don't know because there's lots of them um so keeping it as I am now varied I think is really important and then with the with the practice stuff I really love it um and 
you know as I said there it's where I get a lot of inspiration it's where I get a lot of my motivation from I don't want to lose my clinical skills I hate when I haven't done a shift for like a couple of weeks and I go to do bloods and I'm a bit like oh what am I doing I hate that feeling so I like keeping on top and keeping up with uh, with all my training and stuff it would be nice if I in the future could get a role that allows me to do a bit of both mm-hmm. because I think you know you end up in a place where all my clinical shifts is really on my time off from my main job. And that's tricky because as we were saying before, it's quite tiring. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also just a lot of admin, <laughs> having two different yeah, employers, well. having to do manual handling training for the clinical role mm-hmm. and do other training and things for the other role. So you know, I t- haven't, I used to do pre-COVID, I used to do a shift a month. That was mm-hmm. my, um, yeah, and any bank holidays, like over the Christmas break when the uni was shut, I would do two, three kind of over those two weeks. Yeah. That was my kind of, and then annual leave, I'd, I'd stick them in. That was my kind of like balance. I was getting to a bit of a, a good rhythm and then the vaccination yeah. stuff. So then the balance and then COVID and then my role changed. And it's it's something Easily. that I, yeah. And I think I will constantly go back and forth. Yeah, but I think it's easily lost. Got, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's knowing what you've got capacity for. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, absolutely not. And I think, we were, as Laura just said, we were chatting about this a little bit before because we were both saying, what are we doing doing these two jobs? We must be crazy. But I think, you know, the, the two, for me, the two roles complement each other really well. There probably will come a time when I'll have to make a decision on how feasible it is to be doing both. Um, so it would be be nice to have a, um, a role that does blend the two things together. But I think, I think, as you were saying, it's about, you know, making sure that you've got the time for it and, and that it's the right thing for you. And we were also talking about the fact that, you know, lots of people come out of healthcare and don't do clinical work, but are quite comfortable to still have that identity as, you know, for example, a doctor who now goes to work in a policy role, doesn't keep doing clinical stuff, but still has that identity of I'm a doctor and I'm working in policy now and that's fine. Whereas I think for nurses, a lot of us are so ingrained in the identity of being a nurse and having that associated with a clinical role that it feels really like oh I don't know if I can still say I'm a nurse when I'm not doing anything clinical and so I think as a profession we've got a lot of work to do to enable people to have different roles and still feel comfortable saying that they're a nurse and not having a sort of not even a stigma but having yeah, but a sort you don't of... have to add on it doesn't yes. have to like, oh I'm a nurse but I work in a uni now and I teach yes. nursing but yes. I've done vaccination and also I do like when I can I do do shifts it's like yeah why am I saying that to someone that's just said yeah. like the hairdresser that's gone yes what, what's your job what like yeah. why am I just said all of yeah yeah it's really tricky I know I'm whenever I meet people I say oh I'm Heather I'm a nurse but I work in policy and And I just think it's really it's a really funny thing and I think it might be unique to nurses to have that real sense of identity in that way I don't know I'd be really interested to hear other people who feel differently in different professions but but yeah I think I'd like to get to that stage but I think that that is one probably me being part of that change and actually me being comfortable saying I was a nurse and I work in policy or I am a nurse and I only work in policy I don't know somewhere in there there'll be I think I am a nurse and I work in policy yeah maybe that's what I should be saying I'm a nurse that yeah works in academia yeah and I think I mean part of you know I was listening to lots of your podcast episodes I think that's the thing that everybody has this kind of identity wobble don't they about oh I don't know how I feel about that um and so obviously for others coming along navigating nursing maybe we should be uh setting it out that it's okay to be a nurse working yeah, in yeah, different things and also I think so ultimately nursing whatever area you're in there's always an element of educational development isn't there yeah it was all whether that's a module a study day some extra training a master's a doctorate whatever yeah. that looks like and I think ultimately we have to say and I've had to say with my um kind of doctorate my deprof I can't do work full-time and study part-time and I don't know how you do it Heather you like <laughs> I, I actually don't understand um you, you're going to run some lessons to teach me after um, <laughs> I've had to say you know ultimately for my career is it best that I at the moment do bank shifts or is it best that I study in my spare time and I've kind of had to say to myself actually I need to focus on I'm really lucky to get the funding and the support from my workplace that I actually need to focus on the study Mm. and then I guess yeah the shifts will be there won't they yeah that's it and what was I going to say I was going to say um I think within all of that is that it's it's absolutely about what's doing right for you Mm. and and I think, as I was saying, I think I said this before we were chatting, Laura, was that um, to do my job in policy, you probably don't have to be a nurse. 
but I think my role and what I contribute to that role is strengthened so much by the fact that I am a nurse Um, and so even though if I might not be doing something clinical uh, my nursing skills I'm still using them every day in a policy setting and that's what maybe sets me apart from different people who aren't nurses and actually having that sort of diversity in the policy space. My knowledge about different aspects of nursing and and, having to teach on different modules that I would never you know professional values ethics research methods certain things that I might not especially when I first started teaching I hadn't I hadn't done since I was at uni myself and actually recognizing their value of nursing I think is is really important so yes while I don't have to be a nurse to do this job actually it brings huge value add and and knowing that is really really important so so yeah no what does the future hold I don't really know but I think uh continuing on definitely to continue the the journey of nursing you know there's definitely a time especially right back when I moved into the policy role where I thought I don't know if I really will be a nurse anymore but as time's gone on I'm I'm clinging on to it and I don't want to lose that I think it's a huge part of not just who I am but as I say the value that I bring to the policy space and public health um so yeah watch this space I think for that one <laughs> watch this space well Heather thank you so much for joining me today it's been amazing to talk to you so thank yeah you. thank you so much for having me